This is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcasts Network, showcasing conversations with Chicago's creative communities and professional industries. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Haima Black, I am here with Bruce Finkelman, managing partner at 16 on Center here in Chicago. We're at the Salt Shed, an incredible new venue. We're going to talk all about how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking time. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for showing interest. Uh, yeah, no, of course, of course, man. It's a. Uh, and by the way, if anybody listening to this, watch this, if you hear the noise in the background, it is pouring rain. Oh, hey, oh and and some uh, thunder. Note. Yes. <laughs> so that's not foley. That is the real thing. But right on. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for taking the time. I always love starting at the beginning before we get to all the current stuff with sixteen on center and everything happening. So, like, bring us into how music became <laughs> how music began for instance the origin of music no, no like you know at what point i'm sure you've always been a music fan but when did it really become you know something where you're like i think i'm gonna make a go of this i think i'm gonna pursue this professionally i walked into a live uh, music club in columbia missouri called the blue note mm-hmm. and i never left i just fell in love with it the first show i ever saw was or saw there was the Violent Femmes. Somebody threw up on my shoe, and I swear <laughs> to God, I was like, I, I think this is where I should be. Yeah, that was and you were like, it doesn't get better than this. No, I showed up there the next day and told the guy I would do just about you know whatever he needed, and you know he, I listened to what he he did every day, and I was just really amazed, and to be able to be surrounded by that many creative people and these people you know these these bands that were coming from out of town to to spend a day at that place was just i was just awestruck by it and i loved the music and i was just blown away by people actually able to make those sounds come out of whatever instrument they were doing it and the crowd reaction that was so immediate and so up close and you know, to be part of that as a, as a, as a viewer and someone who was enjoying it, I just was sucked in. Well, and so of course you opened the empty bottle early nineties, you know, and as we both know, early nineties, that's when, you know, Chicago is called the next Seattle. And there's obviously this kind of gold rush to find bands here. Like bring us into what it was like in those early years here in Chicago for the bottle, for you, for the bands. Well, I mean, it was an interesting time, but you know, when, when people talk about how it was discovered and it was the new Seattle, I think what people fail to realize is that really is kind of a lagging indicator. You know, things had been happening in the scene and, and in Chicago for a while then. And, you know, I think people had to put a name to it. And the only thing that I think we saw as people that were interacting during that time frame was just there were more people with weird titles there, you know, there was some guy who was an AR scout and who the (laughs) hell knew what that was, you know? And, and I, and I just think there were more, you know, people showing up at the clubs with suitcases. Right. Yeah. Coming in from out of town. You know, and I think that happened for the culinary scene as well, where you would go to restaurants and you'd people see people, you know, uh, the host would have to put suitcases somewhere because they were trying to get as many meals in before they had to fly to the next city or wherever they were going. And you know what? Not to sidetrack, but I feel like Chicago every few years gets kind of rediscovered by the coasts. You know? Yeah. And, you know, the great thing about Chicago is it is sandwiched between each coast and everybody got to come through Chicago before they go anywhere else. And I think people forget that. And it's it's of integral importance 
that Chicago is firmly set where it is in our lovely country. Why stay in Chicago? Why build what you've built in Chicago versus going and building 16 on center or something like this in LA or in New York or Austin or Nashville? Because this is my city. Yeah. I know my city. I don't know. I mean, for a long time, we had decided before we did a, a food hall in New York, we had decided that we were never going to do anything outside Chicago. I mean, if if the underlying factor of 16 on center is to build things that we like with the hopes that other people like them too. How much more honest can that be to do it in a city that we love, a city that I grew up in, a city that is my home? Yeah. So the empty bottle, obviously, that's the first, like, that the was first my baby. one you opened. Yeah. That's my baby. And I remember, you probably don't recall this because you've had a billion people come through. 20 plus years ago, when I was in high school, I was interning for The Onion when The Onion was a print newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I would come to the offices of, you know, Empty Bottle and Metro and Double Door every week. And this is really going to date it. My job was to go pick up the print ads that mm-hmm. I would bring back to the Onion yeah. offices. So I'd run into you and Pete every week as a teenager in high school at the Empty Bottle before I was old enough to go. Then I'd be like, this place is so cool. Yeah. 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 So Empty Bottle was That is a huge timestamp you're putting on. I, I know everything about people that. people picked up ad, ads to run. Right. You couldn't email them. You couldn't digitally send them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was in the 1700s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the late 1700s. The late 1700s when I was in high school. Right. So Empty Bottle's first, but then there's the expansion. There's like Longman and Eagle. There's Beauty Well, no, Bar. second was Bite. Okay, Bite. Yeah. And, and the, the kind of the importance of that was, is that, you know, here's this outpost in the city that's, you know, back then, Ukrainian Village, Wicker Park, all those places, they were outposts to the, right. to the city. And I mean, you, you just saw that there was a, a push of artists away from downtown and further west because the rents were cheaper. And, you know, if you were if you were wanted to try to do things and you wanted you were creative and you, you needed you needed an outlet to do it, you were looking for cheap places to rent not only for restaurants, but be able to do your art, to be able to practice. And it just kept pushing west. So that's why we found people in Ukrainian village that were all living there at that time. And, and that's something else I wanted to ask you is just how you've seen the city change over the decades that you've been professionally building here where it's like, and we're bouncing all around. I had an order of these questions, but you know, you've professionally been building in different neighborhoods of Chicago, whether that's Pilsen, Ukrainian village, Hyde Park, how have you seen the city change the the music culture change? This is a big general question, but like what have been some some noteworthy ways that you've seen the culture and communities change in Chicago that have impacted you as an entrepreneur here? Boy, that's a that's I mean, that's that's I don't even know how to answer that question in the entirety, except for to just say, you know, a lot of the times we kind of say that projects pick us and we don't necessarily pick projects. And, you know, even looking at Thalia, Thalia was my partner, Craig, was invited to take a look at that place and called me from stage and told me I had to get my ass down there and see this place. Yeah. You know, and I think that when I stood there on the stage, we actually, he actually said to me, he's like, well, I guess we're doing this, right? We have never really gone out and looked at places. They've always kind of come to us and be that in a neighborhood like Pilsen, where it made sense because back then... And still to this day, a lot of the people that work for us still live in those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And we had been doing shows down there for, for quite some time. So it wasn't just like going into a neighbor and being like, well, I've never been here before. This was somewhere we were pretty active. Logan Square was the same way. We were doing shows at the Logan Square Auditorium and driving past 
the Winds Cafe, which is what Logan or uh, Longman and Eagle was before mm-hmm. we we got it, and thinking what a dumb name that was, and <laughs> you know, you know, it, it just kind of made sense. But the reason why I brought a bite is from that point when we were in Ukrainian village, there was nowhere to eat. We were eating Polish food six days a week, and on my art, I always made one of the fact that my arteries, I couldn't move my arms. My arteries were so clogged <laughs> from that stuff. And we, we, we needed a place for people to eat. If people were going to come see music and hang out there, they wanted to eat. So at first it started off with grilled cheeses and hamburgers because I didn't know anything about a restaurant. And then we hired this woman. Her name was Donna Knizek. And Donna was at a very famous old institution called Leo's Lunchroom, which was kind of the beginning of farm to table you know she would go to the farmer's market pick stuff out and that's what she would cook and i think seeing that kind of style of cooking kind of go up from leo's lunchroom and to lula cafe and all those places that was kind of one of the starting points at least from my memories of how that happened you know and to see that go from you know something that you needed to provide sustenance to the people that lived near you, right? They couldn't always travel elsewhere. And then to go to Logan Square, where we were we were lucky enough to be part of that, you know, what happened there as it started becoming more popular. Well, and then that's something else that I feel like has really been a staple of a lot of these 16 on center projects is like getting to Pilsen as the, I mean, there's been an art movement happening there for a long time, but it's really exploded in the last decade getting into Pilsen like right at the early start of that moment, getting to Hyde Park as that neighborhood has done a lot of evolution, certainly Ukrainian village, which right. now is, you know. But but you know what's funny about that is like, I don't think if you had said that Thalia Hall was in the middle of Wrigleyville or if it was, you know, in Avondale back then or if it was deep in Humboldt Park or if it was in the Austin neighborhood, I don't know if we would have said no to it anyways. Because it was such a beautiful property and, you know, there was so much there that we wanted to do, you know, like when we just, when we got asked to be, to do something in, in Hyde Park, I mean, it was basically because that building and we liked the fact that it was in the back of everything. And for some reason that really appealed to us that, you know, no one knew where it was and it was the, it was an old Borders bookstore yeah. and, and we were like, this is, this is perfect for us. Like, we'll take it, you know? Yeah. A friend of mine opened a comic store about a decade ago in change in Hyde Park. And, you know, I don't get to Hyde Park that often, but I might go visit him every year and a half or so. And like every time I'm there, I just be like, oh, my God, so, so much has happened in this neighborhood. Yeah. And Pilsen, too. I used to live over on 18th Street and I had to move because I couldn't park because there's nonstop like restaurants opening up there in valet. It's just that that area has exploded. Yeah. So get a scooter. Yeah. I mean, I think become that's a scooter guy. Yeah. As you were opening new venues and new concepts, whether it's food and beverage or live music, you know, at what point did you kind of get this 16 on center name in your head and start to think, okay, this is not a fluke that we've opened up two or three places. I think we can continue expanding and, and, and make a, a habit of opening new places as they make sense. Well, I, you know, the idea of 16 on center had been around for a while, but I never really felt the importance to having that be any bigger than the individual property, right? The empty bottle was the empty bottle. It wasn't 16 on center's empty bottle. Right. The same as Thalia Hall, the same as Salt Shed or, or same as anything. This was all just a collective that we all belong to and it happened to be called 16 on center, which for anybody who isn't in the construction field is just a term of, of how to build better. You 
you frame stuff 16 inches on center on a piece of wood. That's when you, where you hit the nails in. And it's a, it's a term that means just built to last. And, and I think that that name, kind of, that name definitely kind of resonated with us is, is that we felt like, you know, we were part of the communities that we belonged in. We were part of the neighborhoods that we serviced. And these were longstanding things. These weren't things that were meant to be like, yeah, that didn't work. Let's, let's get rid of that one. It was meant to evolve with the neighborhood and be part of the neighborhood that it lived in. Well, and I think that that's really evident because like, you're right. Like it does not, it, it doesn't feel like, and, and there's no record of like you and your team opening up places that stick around for 11 months and then they go away and then you do another thing that lasts for no, it's, years. it's, it's really, it just hurts. I mean, you, you, you breathe these things and, and they're so important and they're, they're, they're like, they're just such integral parts of you that you talk ad nauseum about to kind of give birth to that the idea of something closing quickly and not giving a chance, every chance to try to evolve. It's not by any means the best business sense, like it's dumb, but the chance that the, the idea of not giving something its full chance to survive is, is, is really, it just, it keeps you up at night. But you know what? I mean, again, I mean, I have gone to so I haven't gotten a chance to see a show here at the Salt Shed. And we're going to talk about Salt Shed in a moment. But like but I've been to all the other venues. I've been to Empty Bottle a dozen times, you know, not a dozen, a million times. I've been to Talia Hall, you know. OK. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> and what I'm getting at is like these are venues where the community aspect, it's very clear that that is authentic. It's very clear that like these are venues made by people like you were saying who live in Chicago, who are connected to the community. Who live in the neighborhood. Who live in the neighborhood. It's not yeah. like a big live nation kind of like you know set up by someone in miami and they just come you know do some construction here for a year and leave it's like these are these are neighborhood staples that are staffed and performed at and attended by chicagoans yeah by people who live in these neighborhoods it's it's very important to me that there's such a sense of community and just being part of this city that it's not you know it, it would be hard for me to do anything that i felt like was detrimental to the city just because it's my city. Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't have to tell you the last few years have obviously been very challenging for everybody and so many industries and food and beverage and live music were two of the venue or two of the industries that really got hit yeah, the, the hardest first to close and the last to open. And you're, you know, 16 on center and you and your team right at the intersection of food and beverage and live music. So like without going too deep into all the pandemic stuff, because I think everyone's exhausted by it, but how have you and your team been like navigating out of that and, and finding the way to like do the new version of what, what things are now? By doing the best we can. You know, I, I was thinking back to, to, to when people have asked the question, like how do you navigate through, the, through a pandemic? And the, the simple fact is I've never been through a pandemic before. Right. So there was no playbook. I, we did thousands of things wrong. You know, we did some things right. We, but we worked through them and we came out the other side. I think we're a much stronger organization now. We're much, our, our, our places are stronger and the people that are with us are, are, are I, I hope they feel more supported and, have have better resources, but there was no playbook. So when you talk about like what have we done now, it's I think we we've tried to pay a little bit more attention and make those people the top priority, the people that work for us, because we have some of the best people in working for us and trying to make them a priority. Yeah, well, and not only that, but like obviously the artists who perform here, I know that like Empty Bottle especially is just like such a 
community home for so many people and something that during the pandemic stuck out to me is like it was not the biggest thing in the world but i thought what a cool thing that empty bottle allowed this to happen and it was scott lucas performing live from the roof of the empty bottle and live streaming that and again it's he was doing a lot of live streaming that year it was not like the most monumental thing but it was one of those things where i thought he can't go on that roof unless empty bottle and him have a history no and we wanted to do more of those we were just afraid that people who were playing on the roof would end up in the basement and not (laughs) not by the stairs right right (laughs) but no that was i mean you know like if you think one of the things that that the you know that downtown kind of afforded us was was to come up with some some really creative ways and people i mean if you look at some of the things that industry-wide people were coming up with i mean such brilliant ideas to try to keep their businesses afloat their people working and just keep their keep their places relative you know and i was so impressed there was not a day that went by that i wasn't like holy moly who thought of that idea that was amazing well you were part of the civil team and i just did a chat with uh joe shanahan and jill hopkins obviously over at metro and you know similar kind of conversation about just like coming out of that and i'm i'm personally as a music fan so grateful that like empty bottle and metro and so many of these rooms are still here because as we know a lot of restaurants and a lot of venues across the country are not as lucky yeah it's tough yeah it's tough so something else that uh 16 on center has ventured into in recent years is the food hall you know so there's from here on and revival food hall what have you learned about like doing a food hall concept versus something like bite cafe well so the 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 first one we did was revival right and and I would be amiss if I didn't think that that was kind of the revival of the new food hall situation. But for us, it was, it came from a different, a different desire. It came from the fact that through the empty bottle, through Logan square, some of the the most creative minds are in these outlying areas. And these are the places that we call home, you know, that, that we go out on, uh, go out five days, six days a week. Like these are the, the communities that we're part of. But when somebody like my wife or somebody else who worked downtown went downtown, their lunch option was like Sabaro. Right. And something it's like that. So, and, yeah. so there's this real disconnect with the folks that live downtown with what's really happening out there and the the amazing creativity that's going on there. And one of the things that we tried to do was to bring the neighborhoods for lunch downtown and to give people that option of being able to to do donkey, which is table donkey a stick or smoke barbecue or, you know, back then Mindy's hot chocolate to be able to give people that experience. And I think that's something that we've tried to do in revival and from here on and we also have a market in in chelsea in new york called ali ali market which is that same kind of thought which is you know if you can give people this neighborhood kind of focus like no one had ever tried to treat downtown the loop as a community before right but we wanted you know that was the idea and in the beginning you know the place would be empty at 5.30 and then it was 6.30 and then 7.30 people would be at the bar hanging out and then 8.30 you would have like uh, watching watching uh, the football game or having some sort of, of music event there or I remember we had the national play there because the building's called the national and we just thought that would be a fun <laughs> idea. Right. But I mean, ways to engage people to be part of this thing that becomes the kitchen in the building. Everybody wants to hang out in the kitchen Right. So we wanted to create a kitchen where people could hang out at. 
So right now we are at Salt Shed. So let's bring it here to Salt Shed. We're in the tour production office. And you gave me the the 10 minute tour here. Yes, which because like, you haven't been here before. <laughs> but I feel like there could have been a two hour tour version here. It's like, this is a massive space. Bring us into the origin of like, obviously everybody who lives in Chicago is familiar with the building, but at what point was the seed planted that like this could become a venue here for what you're doing? So this had been a conversation that had been going on with my partner, Craig and I for, for a really long time. Both of us are lifelong Chicagoans. So the Morton salt facility was always this geographical beacon. You know, when we would come down the Kennedy to go downtown, this was the last turn before you hit the city, right? So there was almost like this, uh, I mean, as a child, when my parents would take me downtown or my dad worked in the meatpacking on Fulton, when Fulton was a meatpacking. Talk about another neighborhood. That yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, this was the, oh, we're almost there, right? Or later on in life, when I would drive through to, to all the properties, where are you right now? Well, I'm, I'm just going, I'm just passing the Morton Salt facility. I mean, this was really just like this iconic geographical beacon that was so truly Chicago. So that's where the conversation started. And then it started to go, hey, I wonder what's inside there. <laughs> and then it became, I wonder if we could do some wacky event in there because we're doing, you know, we do all sorts of outside events right. to the fact that Craig knew somebody who was trying to do something here and gave us an opportunity to see if we could be part of it, which after, you know, a long period of time, we were able to, to work out. I mean, so this, this property, this venue, it's, it's massive. The it's footprint massive. here is enormous. Obviously live music is a huge part of this. There's the outdoor space, the indoor Fair space. Enough, yeah. yeah. But I get the impression that that is certainly not all that is planned for here. I know you showed me a little bit of some previews here. Bring me into like, what what all can happen and is going to be happening here beyond just the live to, music? Today. Sure. As of today, because we are in version 1.73. You know, this is this this is the second summer. You know, last summer we decided that we were gonna have some some concerts outside to kind of celebrate the the return from COVID and get yeah. us all like outside having a good time. Then over the winter we we opened up the inside. And now we're, we're redoing, like looking at the, the differences of opening up the outside. We have uh, a third floor space where you just opened up one of the, the viewing areas on the, the rooftop areas. But this place will continue to evolve. And we hope that it'll continue to evolve as our likes and desires and things that we want to do keep moving forward as well. I'm hoping that there's going to be a dock outside and we're going to have boats and you know, we'll have a harbor master that, you know, that'll wear a funny hat and make sure that that people can come and see the shows from land or water. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's some, I mean, it's located in such an amazing place for that. Yeah. I, the the fairground was such an important part of this. And, you know, I know you you drove into the fairground, but but when you go see a show outside or go see a show inside, that fairground is really that first interaction with the salt shed. You're walking in through that. You're seeing food trucks. You're seeing other types of vendors. We have some great shops that have opened up in the packing house and we'll continue to add more shops there. But it's more of an experience. Like if you come here to see, to have, you know, have some food in the food truck, hang out near the river, do a class with Lululemon. Lululemon does yoga classes outside or, it's almost as if the seeing a show is an afterthought. 
Right. Right. It's almost like, oh man, I had a great day. Oh, I think I'll go see a show. I'm going to put my backpack in a locker and I'll go in and see a show. But it really is that fair mentality, the idea of having a fairground. Although I will admit I haven't been to many fairs in my lifetime. It sounds awesome. Yeah. And I think people want more and out community of community their... and, you know, neighborhood. It, nothing says fair. Like, you know, it just, it, it just embodies all of that. I mean, again, I, I think so many people want more out of their experiences after being indoors. Absolutely. And, and so do we. Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, these are all the, whenever one of the, the coolest things from my perspective is when you open a place and you see it being used as you, you wanted it to be, or as you thought it would be. It's almost like your thoughts going down on a piece of paper and people getting a chance to see what's been in your brain for so long. And to see people engage with this property and to see them be able to utilize it in all these different ways, it really is. It, 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 it's, it's a mind-blowing thing. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, because this has been amazing. And it, it's so cool to see everything that, again, 69 Center and yourself and your team has built. What's ahead? Like, what can you tease about, you know, any other? Certainly not that this is not enough, but I get the impression that you're always looking at what's next. This is going to consume us for quite some time. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a huge footprint again. Yeah. So we we spend more time saying no to things than we do saying yes to things. And it's 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 you know, we we want to be excited about it. We want to be able to, you know, have it be something that is as meaningful to, you know, that setting the bar with some of the properties that we we, we do have. We want to make sure that everything is is as close to our heart as as this is. I love it. Um, this was incredible. Bruce Finkelman, 16 on center. Part two to come someday. Please. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Um, this was great. Thanks so much for taking the time. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at dynastypodcasts.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.